Right Mavis, welcome to episode 1 of These Little Victories with myself, Jay Fender. Today we will be joined by Manchester-born cousins James and Jack Yates. Now James and Jack are both musicians who make up two-fifths of the new and exciting indie band Pastel. Now Pastel, if you're not aware of who they are, have already achieved so much in the short time they've been together. They've supported Liam Gallagher to 80,000 at Nebworth. They've had two EPs which have gone top 10 in the UK charts and we are currently recording their debut album which is set for release in 2024. Now before that, they will be heading out on their first headline UK tour uh, in September and October. Now, if you're keen to attend, the majority of shows have already sold out. However, there's one or two shows with still a few tickets available. So if you head over to spiritofspikeisland.com and click the tour dates tab just to the left of the screen, you'll be able to get a full set of listings for Pastel. You'll also be able to get a full set of listings for my band Affleck's Palace who are heading back out on tour around the UK this October um, with support from Jealous Nostril which is Johnny Borrell from Razorlight's new band. It's going to be a great tour and we really hope you can make it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you the future of British guitar music, James and Jack Yates. I already spilt some out on my t-shirt. Did you nick that? No comment. I didn't pay, pay for it. I didn't pay. You, where'd you get it from? Your mum's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she'd never shop at <coughs> She only shops for vinyl online, mate. Amazon. <laughs> so, yeah. How's the album recording going? How's life? <sighs> Good. Plodding. Plodding on. Focusing on the little victories. <laughs> well, you got, aren't you? Yeah, that's what that's what we're doing. Yeah, how many songs are you hoping to get on your album? Depending on Liam. Depends on how many you fucking pay for. <laughs> <laughs> well, this rate there'll be about four. Well, it's four more than we can afford. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. What do you think is the um, is a good number for of tracks for you for an album? Ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. You think twelve? I don't know. I think that's. In, I don't know. What's the difference? Ten is a nice round number, but eleven maybe. Yeah, I, might as well go one I think more. anything less than ten, mate, bit shy. I don't know. Let's just go with ten. Yeah. All right, eleven. I, I, I yeah. I always take umbrage with that with that artist to um, seem to in, overindulge themselves with like a sixteen-track yeah. album. Oh yeah, that's too much. Who listens to that? Yeah. Does anybody really? But our songs are all about seven minutes long. To be fair, yeah. so it's a disaster taking it to <laughs> radio. Could just do four songs. That'd be an album. Oh, Forty minutes. Yeah, debut album. Never. People think that people care about them too much sometimes. Care about what? Them. Joe, show, show me a thing before some guy's Spotify bio, and he was like, he said, read that, and it was just scrolling paragraph after paragraph, and I'm like, I don't know who it was, but I'm like, mate, no one cares that and much. No one reads it. No one's reading, No one yeah. cares, I do not care. You, know, you could be the biggest band in the world, I wouldn't sit and read an essay. No. Do you know what I mean? Never. I think it's, it's not conducive to getting anybody to support, because what's, but to support a release, if, if, a, if, a, if a press release is too long. It Get just, your head out your ass, I think. Well, yeah, and also you just need a few bullet points. 
I mean, how many press releases has made made a person um, want to listen to a record? You've probably yeah. heard about it already from hype or because you're a fan of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. It's like when with Spirit of Spike Island when when people submit demos and um, promotional information to us because they want a record deal. A lot of the time, they send you too many songs or. There's too much information on it. I'm like, less is more. Yeah, definitely. And it's like gigs. Artists who play for three hours. Mm. I'd rather hang yeah, myself. Yeah, too much, isn't it? And loads of talking as well. So in the radio, I'd do that, though. Go on for fucking ages and tune for ages. I was at Brian Jones town. two hours, I think they do. That's still a long that's time. That's a long time, but I think that's your absolute ceiling. Yeah. What do you I'd, I'd, say, I'd say an hour and a half is your ceiling. Well, yeah. I think I think it depends. Two hours. Like with us, I won't I won't play more than an hour, only because we haven't got that many. So, well, we, <laughs> no, we've got, we ain't we've got, got an no, hour. We could, we could play. We could play o- over an hour and a half, probably. But I mean, we've got eight songs out, nine songs out, or something. Yeah. Even with the album, whereas if you're a band, like I'd watch the Rolling Stones for three hours. I reckon. You reckon? Well, Depends I don't know. But what, what I'm saying is, it? they could do it. Because they've got you'd so probably albums. know 80% of the songs that they play for two hours. Whereas if you've only got a couple of albums out, just leave it an hour. Don't take the piss. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Like, there's um, a friend of mine went to watch Bruce Springsteen. I think it was in Italy the other day. And um, I was just like, oh, he's going to be on stage. Bruce will be on stage for three hours. And I was just like, you'd be exhausted after mm. two hours. Like, Yeah. Pixies was a bit like that, wasn't it? Which when one? We, the one in Cardiff. Like, they were it good. Was I, lo- in Cardiff I love Pixies, right? But they played, and I, I, it was the longest gig I've ever been to. It was like two and a half hours. Because they oh. played the majority of the songs people didn't know. It was like of the newer stuff. Yeah. And they, they played like, a lot of newer refused stuff. refused to play stuff that people know to be all. There's edgy. a couple of big ones that they didn't play. Like what? Do you remember? Did, did Where is my man? They didn't play that. Yeah. What? They didn't yeah. fucking play that. You you invest like nearly three hours into a gig to see your favourite bands, and, they and we chose one. to stand too. We, we had off. Pay, we got off. We got off. We could sit or you could stand, and we were like, yeah, we go, let's get in there and stand. It was fucking dreadful. Like knees hurting, getting old. Yeah, you'd like start standing on one leg, swapping legs, yeah. you know, to try and Leaning give your, your leg mate. a break, just to mitigate the agony. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I went for about four pisses. I love Pixies as well. There's loads of bands that I love, but like, oh, Cure play forever as well. Yeah. But a lot, you generally find that a lot of people, maybe that don't go to as many gigs, they're like, oh, they played for three hours if as if it was a good thing. <laughs> Get your yeah, money's worth. And I'm like, yeah, fuck me, they play for three fucking hours. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, just play, get through the hits, play a couple of deep cuts. You go. I remember though when we first started gigging and you build up a bit of a thing locally. We play the last song and people are like wanting more. And my dad would be like, "Oh, you need, you should go on again and like they want it." Yeah, no. God keep them wanting because yeah. you go on, and then because uh, we, we'd at the at the time we, we'd end with our biggest song, and obviously we don't have that many songs out anyway, yeah. and even less at this point. So whatever we go back on and play, no one's really going to know anyway. So it's mm. going to be an anticlimax. Whereas I'd rather people leave the gig being like, "I want more of it, mm. hungry for more." I agree. 
But I, 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 th- I, I'm a strong believer in less is more when it comes to to, to live performance. I'm not into the theatre of an encore. Mm, yeah, I like to play f- with you know any project I've been in. I like to play <clears> for as long. I as think I the can. only reason I would do one is if the set list was longer, and if they paid you more. <laughs> no, if the, set, if the set list was longer, and you say you've played for a, oh, an hour and fifteen, say. I won't mind going off for 10 minutes, change me. 10 minutes? Well, you know, I don't know, however long an encore is, I, I won't know, but... I think people really expect it, but I I don't know, I, don't, I think it's... What's the point of it? Is it a gimmick now? Do you know what, what I mean? Yeah, what, what do you gain from it? That's what I don't you, understand. You're wasting more time by walking off to walk back on and to play the last yeah, song. And it's very attention-seeking. I know you're standing on a stage, so you, you're getting attention, but... To, to it's like, like to give me more, call yeah. me back on because yeah. you want me. It, beg, beg for me on your knees. You know what? I actually might start doing <laughs> encores. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Uh, Daddy, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Um, I don't know. I find that 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 whole. Yeah, you're right. It is it is a little bit attention seeking, but I also think that it's also like a like a business. Um, it feels like a, a business transition. I.e., what we're going to do is we're going to go off and we're going to and we're going to give the audience what we want. So when they walk out of the door, they got and they came back on and they did an encore and then they went off again and they came on for a second encore. They had to go, but they still came back and played their biggest hit for us. Yeah, which wasn't <laughs> planned. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not planned so, or rehearsed. Yeah, I'm a bit. It s- definitely s- doesn't say it on the <coughs> set list encore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I'm like, it's, it's a little bit kind of, well, it's contrived in it, but that's part of it is business, uh, music, business, entertainment, all that stuff. So, yeah. So with the album being recorded, where where do you want it to take you? What do you think? What's your what's your ambition for that? Where do you think it's going to take you? Because you've already kind of, you've you've already kind of started climbing a mountain. You've already achieved quite a few nice things. You know, what where do you see it taking you? I think, I know it sounds cliche, <laughs> but, you know, when you take every step, so whenever something's happened in the band, and we get, we, um, we'll do something that we see as like a big achievement, Yeah, you kind of think there's nowhere else to go from this, we're lucky to get that, and then you, you keep working, and then all of a sudden something else happens, pops in, and then you're like, fuck, we can't really top that, what do we do now, and then mm. you keep grafting, Thinking that was it, and then something that it all—it's it, always progressing. Yeah, there's never really been a point where you think, "Oh, it's starting to plateau now." It's constantly moving. Yeah, so I think just to continue that. Yeah, I think hopefully with it being an album instead of an EP, it should be more of a rise. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah, but I think just to steadily grow is what I think. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of anticipation for for a debut album, especially when you've got a little bit of heat on you. For it to kind of pop off and yeah. become huge, I I've always said to you guys, uh, everything is a is part of building a foundation. It's never going to be that, mm. you know, immediate um, catapult to career. Where it's and with that, if you did have that, there's always a chance that if things started to go a bit shit, there's nothing to fall back on. Well, yeah. Whereas if you've got the foundations and you're slowly rising, if you get a few knockbacks, there's 
Do you know what I mean? You're not falling right back down to the bottom. Absolutely. Mm. I think that it's it's a paramount importance for anybody to kind of like take their time. You don't need to rush it. And, and just keep putting out a steady flow of consistent work so that, you know, you, you build that fan base. But it's it's quite, you know, you've you, you've had a little bit of radio support. You've toured quite a lot uh, and your first headline tour's coming up. But you also got, you know, the Liam Gallagher at Nebworth support. Um, that must have been quite a buzz for you when you found out about that. I remember, oh, yeah. f- I, to be honest, I remember calling you and telling you that you'd got it. Like, you know, what was? Were you were you expecting something like that to happen? I was expecting. Yes, from the moment no. I for the moment I I signed you, I thought <coughs> that that could potentially happen. I I believed it. But you know, what about yourselves? One Jack. <sighs> I don't know. You don't really. It's like you want to believe it, but until it happens, you don't really, you know, believe it, believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. And also, without sounding like a bit of a cock, you do when you set when you set out it's hard work, it's to hard. be in a band. <laughs> you 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 believe that like you are the best. So if you don't believe that though, your you ambition be your ambition is to, like, when people always say, "Was you nervous?" Well, no, because if we've been in the band and doing it for as long as we had. And we weren't playing Nebworth with Liam Gallagher. Then I'd probably start getting nervous because mm. I'd be thinking, "Are we shit?" Because my ambition was to be on stages like that, yeah, and play those kind of gigs. So the fact that we then, if I'm giving it the big one all this time, being like, "Yeah, we're going to be massive," and then we, I get an opportunity to play in front of that many people, and I, I shit it. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a wimp, aren't I? Well, not a wimp. I think. That fake then. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I think it's. I remember when we got to Nebworth and we we drove up behind the stage, and I've been to festivals before and seen like stages of a similar size, but not from the other side. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I remember driving up behind it without all the crowd there. You know, all the the scaffolding underneath. Yeah, it was like it's it ridiculous. Was, it just gives you a, a, a different perspective mm. on how big the yeah. show is. Yeah, um, and I remember just looking at it going, "That's like a, a small block of flats." Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and it, you can house about like forty thousand people in there. I mean, have you ever had have you ever had any anxiety dreams where you've been on stage and you've kind of like forgotten your words, or have you ever dreamt about stuff like it's that? Not dreamt, he's done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So have I. I don't know. I haven't. It's 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 almost like that where you're in this surrealist. Moment, and you're the, at the back of the stage, looking at this huge monolith uh, that you're about to walk onto, and I wasn't even playing. I wasn't that nervous for you because I thought you'd be fine. But you know, I, I could understand why someone would get there and be overwhelmed by it. Yeah, surprisingly, Reese was the most. Wanna, yeah, Reese is normally the steadiest the one in the band. He, uh, we, we, we all rely, rely on, on Reese, yeah. So like you know when we're playing live, if yeah. something starts going a bit wrong... Look at Reese. You know, if say we're meant to go into the chorus, but we end up playing for a bit longer or whatever, you kind of, you turn to Reese and follow Reese. Yeah. But Reese was actually, he was, he was quite red, silent right. before, and I'm thinking, oh, God, it's if he's things. nervous, maybe I should be nervous. But once we walked on, and mm. it's just a sheer buzz. I was like a pig in shit, Reese. Yeah, loving Loved it. Because <laughs> he could hit his symbols as loud as he wanted. It didn't and no one could hear him on stage. Because <laughs> yeah. he was so far away. Yeah. I remember I remember standing on the side of the stage and you'd put your rug out 
And then no, the it looked like a doormat. It looked like a stand. <laughs> it fills most of the stages and but most of the gigs. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't even fit it on. You'll have to tuck it under the drum kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> and like there, you're there on this little fucking. I know. Oh, I felt <laughs> awful. I got my own little zone. Yeah. So, so when you were playing, you're looking <laughs> out. Uh, your family were there. Yeah. And some of your friends had gone to watch you. Did you notice a change in? Like, how did they respond to you on the day? Like, w- w- did they treat you like little rock stars or did they try to bring you down a notch? Or it's like, the same. It's, it's just the mates, same. Yeah. When we seen our mates, like a lot of uh, our mates from Caribbean, the football team that we go and watch, they all come. And then when we went to see them afterwards, it was almost quite normal. I think Alex Barber said to me or something, when I, it was, he, I came up to him and he's like, oh, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> are you joking? <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's being sarcastic. Oh, right, 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 right. Very much. I was like, oh, right. no, did I? It's just normal, you know what I mean? Brilliant. It's it's almost funny, I think, because I had a Kybrin shirt over my amp and stuff, and they were just like laughing. Like they, it's funny because we're just blaggers. They're just letting our flares. Weren't they? Yeah, we're we're we drinking with them in the pub a week before, just being all normal, and I don't know. It's almost like we're putting an, our little thing on the map. And yeah. they're, they're, they're watching it and being like, that's oh, yeah, funny, st- isn't it? Standing ovation, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Back to the pub, the local. Oh, that was after soccer AM, that. Oh, that was soccer yeah. AM. We walk, walked into the pub oh. afterwards and everyone stood up and clapped. Oh, really? Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was funny as anything, that. Where was that? In Wales, <laughs> in Clanderbeer. Clanderbeer, base. Right. In the bush. I think, I think it's, yeah, the little things, it's the devil's in the details, I think. And those kind of things, they mean a lot to people. I remember going to watch Dan, the guitarist in Affleck's Palace, uh, doing a, doing a playing for a, for a solo artist, a female country singer. He was doing some session work, and he was playing, and I went to watch him, and as, they sounded great when they were playing live. And I remember him spotting me in the crowd and giving it the thing, and the crowd was pretty... It was a decent gig. And I remember how I was like, oh, nice one. Yeah, it made me feel good. It? Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be uh, so I, on that scale. No, no one, no disrespect, but Kyberin, I'd not heard about it before. You'd mentioned it, and mm. um, it, you know, it's a it's a nice thing to do to give other people their their little moment as well. Yeah, but then on the other hand, I knew roughly where our family were, but I could. I was trying for ages right. to spot them. I couldn't find them. It was massive, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really couldn't. And then towards the end, I give up. And I, because f- I thought to myself in the end, I thought if I do see them, I might just get emotional or something. Not, so, I don't know. I might have done. Or I Ooh, might not have. I'm not like tears. an emotional person or anything. But it's quite like a. It's quite an overwhelming thing. Of course. So in the end, I I kind of stopped. I, I spent the first half of the set trying to find them. And I'm looking for ages, and I'm like, I know they're over there somewhere, but I don't know. But then I thought it's probably best if I don't, if I start croaking up. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm not sure you would have done. I don't know, it's like kind of like looking for your, for your parents or somebody at, at like a <coughs> school do. You know, like sports day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're looking for somebody who's come to watch day. you. You know what I mean? But it is, <laughs> but it's like you're looking for that person to, say, to give them the thumbs up. But you're right, I don't know, I think you'd have been all right. From standing at the side of the stage, I was just like, "This feels, this feels like a, a 
apart from being a bucket list ticker, it feels like something you'll never really, it will never, you'll never forget it. Mm. You know, it, like I can still, compl- I have a complete visual of how it looked towards yeah. the end of your set and how it felt, the colour of the sky, you know, the 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 um, the size of the stage, the sound, how well, how well you played and, you know. But then you met, you hung out with Liam Gallagher after that. How was that? That must have been... Well, the, that was the next day. Oh, yeah, of course, because he scarpered because he needed an early night because he was playing the yeah, next he night. He didn't have an early night the second night. No, he didn't. No. How, how, so how did, how did you end up meeting him? And, you know, I, I know Katie had something to do with that. It was uh, impressed for you both. He just got dragged. We got it, So we got invited to go back on the Saturday because he wanted to meet us. Yeah. So we said no. <laughs> no, so we were like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so we went back on the Saturday for the gig, but by this point, we'd not booked anywhere to stay because we didn't really know what we were doing. It was, you know, we got asked to go back last minute, so we were like, I'll sleep in a bush. Do you know what I mean? If I get to speak to Liam Gallagher for two minutes, I'll sleep in a bush. <laughs> worth it. And um, so yeah, after the gig, we went back. Katie come and got us, took us back to the after party. And then, so there was an after That's party. Katie Gwyther. Katie Gwyther, yeah. yeah. There was an after party, and, and then, then after, there was there was party. like a, a secret bit that you couldn't get in and unless you were talking. caravan tucking. static, is it what they call? Yeah, static, it, was, quirky, it was Liam's backstage area, quirky basically. Quirky caravan things. And um, so we were, me and Jack were there, and she says, come with me, I've got someone that wants to speak to you. And I thought we'd like, been caught doing something, or mm. in trouble. So I was like, oh, shit. And so we go back, and then Liam Gallagher's standing there in this mad camouflage, fleecy smock. Mid-conversation. Just cool ass. And when we were walking back, one of the guys from the DMAs was with us, and we didn't even realise... the drummer? No, the guitarist. I'm trying to think of his name. Are you sure? This guy with, like, the big jaw. <laughs> big jaw? Big jaw. I can't remember. I don't know what his name. What colour is his hair? His, so dr- he's his, like his brother's blonde, the one isn't it? Um, oh, isn't that the guy from Planet? No, it's his brother. Matty Tuck? Could be, yeah. The guy from Planet was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was like really nice, and we're talking to him. And then halfway through the conversation, I realised who it was. I was like, oh fucking hell. But anyway, so we're walking through, and then you see Liam Gallagher's just got this pure aura about him. Yeah, he's <laughs> such a geezer. He's like vibrating, just standing there. <laughs> and he's like mid conversation with someone, and then he sees me and Jack, and just goes, "Hang on." That like parts them. Walks over towards. He's like, "You, you cheeky fucking cunt." <laughs> Who are you calling a dirty blue on my stage? I said, you, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just straight from, straight away from that, he just loved it. Because obviously, loved him. yeah, on stage, you know, you were thanking Liam Gallagher. Do you want to tell the, give the backstory yeah, so to that? Obviously, we were very appre- appreciative of the opportunity. Of course, yeah. But I'm a United fan <laughs> first. So uh, I just said, oh, I want to thank Liam Gallagher for asking us to play and stuff. Which got a cheer. Yeah, and then I said, it's just a shame he's a dirty blue. Which, which <laughs> got, got a, boo. a massive yeah. boo. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, glory, glory, Man United, which got even more of a boo. But I, I remember as soon as I'd done it, Charlie Lightning, the, he was filming, he put the camera down and he was like, you're a cunt, you. <laughs> and I was like, I know, he said, did you plan that? I said, no. Because if I'd have planned it, I'd have probably shit out. I didn't yeah. want, you know, I was just being me. Of course. Trying to be a banter. Yeah. And yeah, that's so, it basically. So, so, so Liam backstage comes up to you, says you're a cheeky fucker. Didn't he? Didn't he say something about 
Who did he speak to about deeper than holy? Like, did it? Didn't he say? He showed at that point. You what? Oh no, no. He, yeah, he said he was. He was talk, just talking about the band now, which he actually like deeper than holy and that sort of. Yeah, he, 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 he knew a lot about the band. He watched shown, like interviews and stuff. Hadn't yeah, it's it shown that he he wasn't just he wasn't just bullshitting. He was ve- he was very invested and yeah. he knew things. Do you know what I mean? He'd be like, he'd like, he don't, expect, he don't need to do that, does he? Really? No, he, being him, he couldn't give a fuck. He could just give us a gig and say, I don't give a shit about you. And we'd yeah, and I'd be happy enough, with it. But mean? the fact that he he took <coughs> his time and invested his time into listen to our stuff and pay attention. Well, I I think that that is reflected in some of the other bookings on the, that event, like Amel and the Sniffers. I wouldn't necessarily think that they are some a, an artist that. Liam would listen mm. to a, on a daily basis. That's not to say I don't think that they're great, but I'm not sure that he would be as forthcoming to say or show us how to play one of his songs on guitar mm. or yeah, yeah. somewhat like that, you know? Um, you were trying to teach him the guitar, weren't you, at that one point? Yeah, he was asking me to play it, and he was deeper like, than holy. Yeah. He, so, he, he was singing him. it for a bit, but everyone was just a bit. What's west. that fucking lyric? What's that lyric? Yeah, what's that? God's me what? God's me what? Right, I'm man. Oh, that's fucking genius, that, that man. It's fucking cool. I'm fucking man. Brilliant. The fact that he just knew our lip that was enough for me. I was kipping out on his bed. I leaned up and I just seen. Liam holding the guitar while James was changing chords. I just went back to bed. I was like, "What time of the night was this?" Morning, about, about nine. Really? I thought it was like middle of the night. Like, oh, it was that yeah, early? Well, no, probably eight then. It, it could have been later than that. I don't know. I, it, it was all just a bit of a blur. Time you went know, out. Everyone's <laughs> my phone was dead. I weren't gonna check. You know, there was no fucking judger. Yeah, it's been the murder. You weren't allowed to check the time, if I remember, because yeah. it puts a bad. If you start looking at the time and you're like, oh, God, it's... Yeah, of it, course. It starts putting a bad vibe on it. What time did everyone start to chip off? About three the next day. I don't know. Uh, probably. Right. And you oh, were in, that? Right, so you were on site at Nebworth till three the next day? Probably Roughly, not. So yeah. it might have been earlier. I don't know. I woke in the up afternoon. and they were still drinking outside, put it that way. Who left first, you or Liam? Oh, he was there for. He was sat there huddling like, like four cans of Guinness, just, just in his, his fucking like, jacket zipped up, snipping a Guinness. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> That's hilarious. What a die. <laughs> so you ended up. Uh, you talk, going back to Kybrin and South Wales. So you're both from. You ended up in in South Wales as a consequence of uh, well, your family really upbringing, but you were. Born in Manchester, raised in Manchester. What part of Manchester are you Sea from? Sea Town, Clayton. Eastside. Eastside. I'm from Droylsden, he's from Clayton, but it's... The, On the border. They're French, it's like they're, Romeo and Juliet. They're just next to each other, right? basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, what age did you live there until? I moved when I was about 12. I don't know. And Jack was, was 16, about 17. 16. Oh, right, so you stuck around for a... Were you always in <coughs> Clayton? Always in Clayton. And you finished school in Clayton. Yeah, I went you? to college in city centre, this creative design studio, but it was wank. Just dropped out and started doing business. And then uh, you started doing business. Started doing a little beard in it. Started doing a little bit of beard in it. Right. And quit the beard in it. But it had a beard in it. Went to see the stone rolls. Started doing porn. Started doing porn business. Porn, yeah, porn. Only fans. Only fans selling feet. Right. And then at the age of twelve. What happened? Like, what you, you, your family relocated to? Yeah. So, Jack's so. dad 
Went to rehab in South Wales okay. first. And then about... Was there a con- as a consequence of something, or was it just like... Smack head. Right. No, you just love rehab. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. like going visiting them, you know. He's still in one now, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Right. Um, so, 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 he, yeah, so, so he had an addiction. Yeah. Uh, and... So yeah. he moved, he went into rehab and stuff. And then a year or two later, my dad went to the same one. And then when my dad finished, he thought, if I, if I move back to Manchester, I'm just going to end up doing this. You know, I might be all right for a year. and then you, When they went to rehab, were you still both in Manchester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how long were you in Manchester for uh, before you ended up going? Because you obviously stayed. You, you yeah, see, so... So your dad came back. Yeah, because I, I was living... Because I, I lived with my nan. It was never a... He always lived with his mum and dad, so it was a bit of a bigger deal for him. You know, his dad going away, whereas I didn't live with my dad much, so okay. it wasn't that big of a deal for so me. Well, I, li- I lived with my grandma, yeah. but my mum and dad lived in the house. Where mm. So I lived with my grandma, my mum and dad were there. Jack lived with his nan, or our nan, sorry, yeah. but his mum and dad weren't there. Mm. So basically, Jack was brought up by his nan. Okay, I was brought up by my grandma, but my mum and dad were there, and I think when my dad had finished rehab... He was like in his thirties and stuff, so it was about time he sort of grew up. Yeah, <laughs> and he he knew that, so he thought if I go back to Manchester, just give it a year or two, I'll be do, just back doing the same shit, same old people. Yeah. So we thought I'm, I'll <coughs> I like it down here, we'll move down here. And right. It's like the best thing they ever did, really. So. Sure. And how did you feel when you left Manchester? Like well, I've gutted. I I ate. I I, li- I like it now. Now I'm I've a, sort of established myself in terms of. Got friends and that. But at first, I hated it, like, with a passion. Right. Because you've been taken away from what you knew and big United fans. And I kind of I kind of thought, at that time, I probably thought, well, it's, it's not my fault I have, I have to move. I shouldn't have to move. But And were you two as close at that point in your life? I think, yeah, I think even worse. Oh, we've really? always, we've yeah. always been this close. Even yeah, right. It, you know, it's not a good and how did you feel when when he when the, his family chipped off? Was it like a bit of a gear change? Or? I don't really remember. But yeah, it was changed because we didn't do we didn't get up so much mischief really. Mm. But um, we made up fit though when we yeah, did yeah. see each other. Yeah, it all flew by really. I was doing other things when he was gone. We was into music when he. Were you? I wasn't. No, no. I got into him through him through like the Stone Roses and stuff. That was quite late. I would I bloomed late, about fifteen, sixteen. Got into music properly. There was like a switch with Jack, whereas with me, I've always been into... You know like when people like pretend that they're into music when they were younger and they weren't? Yeah. I fucking was. Like, mm. big. ask anyone. I was, right? I was surrounded by music, but I just never listened, really. I don't think. And it, but whereas with Jack, weren't asked, and then it was like overnight, all of a sudden, he was just... He fucking flew really himself did. into it. Right. It was just... What, what, what? Do you remember the light bulb No moment? idea. No idea. Just love music all of a sudden. I don't even so know. I what made I made know love to him once. When I put yeah. the second coming on. Yeah. It was so nice. He fell in this off. field. Got me to touch a girl's breast. What's the first gig you went to then? If it, if you were quite late to it, what was the first? Do you remember the first gig? I Obviously went, the first. Well, we went to Why Not, I think, and I think it was Madness and Noel Gallagher. Okay. I don't know if that was the first. I've probably been to uh, Jake Bug too. You gave me a ticket to see Jake Bug. That yeah. was with some. Random blue-haired girl freak. Where, where were that? Um, O2. Well, was it the O2? Or I can't remember. Where we seen that Bugsy Malone? The Apollo. Apollo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a while back. That was in 2016 or 15. Did that, bl- was that, a, did that blow your mind? Or, or was it just like, oh, I'm just going? I was just there to see a bird. 
Okay. But I did like the music. Yeah, but... It was like a two birds, one stone sort of thing. The music's a bonus, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Impress a bird. But, um, was, was, was the, you never got to that Stone Roses gig in London, did you? No, yeah. we did. We oh, did, you did? Yeah. That's how long... Yeah, that's how the band started. That's how the band started, that, yeah. Was that... Was... Was that the light bulb moment, perhaps? Or? I think it probably came before. It just wasn't as yeah. like, wasn't as in you know, in front of me. I remember before that Stone Roses gig in Wembley. Just a bit of close. Before that gig in Wembley. Yeah. I, Jack was still in Manchester. We've seen the Roses before, though, didn't we? Yeah. The year before, 2016, we seen them at the Etihad. Yeah. Mm. That was that. I reckon that was probably that was, the, the changing moment yeah. in terms of we we were both into music. For a long but time. But I tell you what, when I was when I realised I think I was into music a bit too much, and this was when I was listening to Aces in college, it was just when I was getting onto the demos and shit. Oh yeah. When I was getting onto like the the shit that you on like you couldn't hear it, but I was like, that's a fucking tune. If you heard that, it's just crackling. By and, like, which band? Oasis and the Roses and stuff like that. Just the the stepping stone bands, I think. Yeah, of course. You know, and yeah, that was probably the moment where I thought, yeah, maybe actually I'm liking music a bit. Yeah. For, I mean, I, the, the first time I, my mum took me to my first gig when I was about, well, I was really young. I went to the Irish Centre um, in Leeds and I got to um, watch a band called Nine Below Zero, which were like a blues pub rock band, really, but they were quite big in the 70s and 80s. And um, I just, there was a band on before them called Dr. Feelgood, and the guitarist in Dr. Feelgood, the original guitarist, was a guy called Wilco Johnson who has recently died, unfortunately, but he was this kind of... He played with his fingers, and when he played, he just walked backwards and forwards on stage like like, like a duck, like a like fucking chicken. Yeah. Backwards, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just remember feeling like that was my light bulb moment. I walked in, and I was just like... It was not full. The venue was quite dead. Yeah, It wasn't this, like, oasis moment where there were flares everywhere, but it's just, like, the volume of the sound... Hit him and and the sensation of yeah. it and how impressed I was at the guitar playing and even though I know I knew none of the songs I was just like blown away by how um, enjoyable it was mm. and that was the kind of moment where I was like I want to be a musician um, and yeah it's interesting some people see, there's, there's so many different ways to find that spark to, that just makes you fall in love with music and that's when you start <coughs> finding the demos of bands mm -hmm. and I guess that like the I think it's the hunt for it isn't it the hunt yeah, yeah. searching for more and more and more of that one thing and also there's, there's, there's kind of like a tipping point where you go from listening to like pop music and mm. stuff that's more commercial that's more easily digestible to like maybe listening to like Nirvana mm. like, and that is still commercially but it's yeah. more abrasive yeah. Like it's quite remarkable, I think that. Well, like, the earlier stuff's a bit heavy, isn't it? That's, what Nirvana? Was, yeah, not as poppy. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, like on Nevermind, it's just a, it's a major label, mm. well produced, mixed. Everything is very loud mastering, so it, it's immediately mm. exciting. And their earlier stuff is far more uh, raw. 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 Yeah, absolutely. That's a good word. It's um, it isn't refined. There isn't a lot. There aren't many. Um, 
moving parts on it, it, it feels like it was recorded in a room with two mm. microphones, yeah. and that's the appeal, you know. And the mm. songs are great, mm. but there's also this kind of like there's a there's a, almost like a dirty texture to it that mm. is completely magnetic, like a sludgy punk sort of yeah, thing. It's like yeah. a mystery in it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Find out more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you 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 ended up getting taken down to Wales. You, you you went to school in Wales, high school. I guess yeah. the majority of your high school life was in Wales. Yeah. And then how did you meet the band members and all that? So the band started... So when the Stone Roses played at the Etihad in 2016, I think. Yeah. Me and Jack went. We went on the first... We went on a Friday and the tickets were like row double Z. Yeah. You know, it was like the only time the Etihad's ever been full... Way at the top, <laughs> and we were like, it was empty. Mind blowing, it was one of the best days of my life. We were the only two dancing, but we were like, we, Tomorrow we need to go down there. We don't have tickets, but we need to be down there, right? And then, my dad, there was like some one legged crackhead that oh, my dad arm. knew, one arm, one arm crackhead that my dad in knew, an and he was like, oh, I don't remember him. So, we got tickets off him for the Saturday, shitting ourselves, and we were like, These fake. are fake, but we got in. It was unreal. So when they announced the one next year at Wembley, we had to go. Right. And then I think leading up to this, um, that Oasis film come out. With Nebworth. Or Supersonic. No, Supersonic. Yeah. And Jack went to watch it at Home yeah, Cinema. Home Cinema. With Manchester. And he kept phoning me and texting me and stuff like, oh, you come here, we need to start a band. Brilliant. I was starting in Manchester. And I'm like, brilliant. I can't just go back. I had a girlfriend and whatever. So I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I do want to start a band. And then um, his girlfriend at the time bought him tickets for the Wembley gig, and I had tickets to go. And then him and his girlfriend split up. She, no, they, so they split up, but she <laughs> took, she had the tickets, and he, yeah. it was only like a week before. Right. And he's like, well, what the fuck do? you know, I still do? know the bird, I know the bird's name that we got him on. Yeah. So I put on this, like, group on Facebook some... Rose's thing, and I just proper laid it on thick that like oh, his girlfriend, crying proper, eyes and all. you know, she's a bitch. She wasn't. It was quite genuine. Yeah, it's actually really nice. Me, it was the dick. But it was like I just laid it on, and you know, it, she's took the tickets, and he can't go, and he's heartbroken, and he's never seen them before, and all this shit. <laughs> so then <laughs> this girl twice, was like, "Well, bro. I've got two tickets for sale. I need to sell both of them, but." Because I feel bad, you can can just buy the one. Megan Hurst, I think her name was. Who sold you the ticket? Yeah. Shout oh, out, Megan. So, yeah, so we got the ticket, and then uh, we got Jack got the train down to Wales, and then we were going to drive in my car. And um, when we got in the car, we just it, set off down the road, and the gearbox fell out of my car. You had to hold it in the way. Oh, what car was it? A, a Lupo. Lupo. Quality VW Looper, yeah. quality little, little roller skate. Yeah, proper. What engine was in it? 1.4. 1.4. Little, I bet he yeah. ragged the ass. Oh, it was, it was rapid as well. <laughs> he was he's always, he's always said, though, when I get money, I'm just going to buy buy that again and just rag it. There was a, there was a, a, a little, little like moment when, when VW Loopers, everyone seemed to have one. Is it? Yeah. Like it was like the the modern I mean, it's day dead old than I had mine. To be fair, mm. I don't know. Every, like the, the the young driver, it was the yeah. it was the it's very chalky. So you know, when you first pass your test and you're driving and you're dead excited, you're not going to have a big fast car. Mm. 
So to have a car that's so small and lightweight that had so much torque, it'd throw you back. Yeah, you feel like going 1,000 miles yeah. an hour <laughs> when you're doing 40. So anyway, the oh, shit Pretty happened, right? Out. And we're like, what do we do? So we had to go back to the house. We literally walked back. That's how close we were. <laughs> we walked back and we were skinned, so we couldn't get a train. So we had to get a coach, but because we were so skinned, the only coach we could afford was at like four in the morning. So he was like, we've got no choice. Yeah, so we eight. thought, instead of Shit. staying up, uh, instead of going to bed, we'll stay up. So I just had the guitar out and I was playing yeah. this song, Hazy, we've got the tattoos now. Nice. It's a song by Shaq, and I was just playing it on the guitar, and Jack started singing it. And I'm thinking, when the fuck could he sing? Because when he was texting me saying start a band... He was going to be the bass player of summer or right. the guitarist or something. <laughs> you know, we would, we'd have basically just started a band and figured out from there. But it's like, fucking hell, he can sing. And then my mum comes downstairs and says to me, oh, was you singing then? Did you just have a new record on? <laughs> <laughs> she thought it was me. She was like, Are you singing? I said, no, it was Jack. She was like, fucking hell. And then my dad come down and asked the same thing. And um, so anyway, we got on the coach, went to the gig. It was mind-blowing. Stayed in a brothel. A literal brothel. On, yeah. That's another story. And come back, but on the, on the coach on the way back... Did you take full full use of the services? Or no, it was no. dark. It was, it was <laughs> dark. It was like back rooms and <laughs> shit, like locks on the outside of doors. It was horrific. Yeah. Kenzel Green. <laughs> the same woman that got brought upstairs by a guy made me tea in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Multitasking. Yeah. You know. Good woman. <laughs> you know. Well, hey, you don't make them like that anymore, do they? Well, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But on the, so on the coach on the way back, we kept listening to this shitty recording that we've done of this song just on the phone. Just you two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was that was and the you, moment where we were like, right, we're I think that, yeah, band. that was the the light bulb moment I, I wanted to be like I got into music before, but I never thought about being a musician. I think that right. was a light bulb moment of fuck it, I'm doing a band thing. Obviously the home cinema with Supersonic, that was Oh yeah, let's do a band, but Doing it with James, like that was the final push. That was it. Yeah. So he, when he come down to Wales, he only had three pairs of boxer shorts because he was he was meant to go back to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Missed me train at the gig. Oh, t- oh, yeah, gig, that's yeah. it. Yeah, because so my granddad booked the train for me. Okay, because I'm I was incompetent. Um, was is is I'm incompetent. Anyway, he's like James was like, oh, what time's your train? This is like in the middle of fucking. I want to be a doors or something. <laughs> Check the time. I was like, about an hour ago. Just missed me train, then went back really. Because we because we had to get a coach, we'd book the, the coach for the way back, not thinking about his train. Right. So the coach back meant that we missed mm-hmm. his train. So it, at first it was like, right, fuck, just stay in mind tonight. My dad will have to drive you home in the morning. Yeah. And then when we got home, it was like, now oh, fuck, it, we might as well start a band now. We've got this far. Sure. And then how do you, and you got, how do you find your members? You got Reese. <coughs> Reese has been in it from the start. From the start, yeah. So we, yeah. Me, my mate messaged me once, just out of nowhere, and we were just talking. He's like, "Oh, how are you?" and all that. And I said, "Oh yeah, what? I'm trying to start a band. I just need a drummer." He says, "Oh, I know a drummer." Uh, and then he just sent me his his thing, and I watched some of his videos, and I thought Reese was that good. I thought he ain't gonna fucking want to join our band. Right. But I'll ask him even if, even if he can just help us. Start. Meet someone or something. Yeah, if you just you could, even if you could just lend his services for a few <laughs> months, just so he can like write some songs. Yeah, yeah. But like Reese loved it. Jake, I knew from school. He was the original bass player. Um, I met him in Jordan, actually on a school trip. 
True story. You met Jake and Jordan? No, Jake oh, in Jordan. Jordan. In Jordan. Jordan. The country. Yeah. In. You're joking? No. I swear down. You met your old bass player in, in jo- Jordan? Yeah, but we were in the same school, but he was a year below. So we went on a school trip. James was spitting on everyone while Jake was reading books. I was that on the balcony, just like throwing tea bags at people and... Jordan the country. The country yeah. <laughs> you look miffed. <laughs> You've been to Jordan. Yeah. Why did you go to Jordan? <laughs> I just fancied it. For the bar. You school no, went to Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and Israel in the same trip, and it was proper kicking off. It was. Right. All the parents kicked off saying you shouldn't be sending them. I was loving it. I bet you were, you little <laughs> scallop. I fucking dickhead. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh mugs. I'll knock you out. And Carry on rioting. So you went on a school trip to Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so my mate that I was with, uh, he was like, oh, this is my friend Jake. So right. I, and uh, st- when um, everyone on the school trip were all in the, like, the lobby of the hotel just pissing about. Yeah. And I said to my mate, I said, oh, where's that Jake? He said, oh, I think he's in his room. So I thought, I'm going to go and get him. I feel a bit bad on him. So I walked up to the room, opened the door, and he was just lying there with his top off reading a book. I thought, this kid's cool. <laughs> Everyone else is downstairs just being all gimps, and he's just on his own reading a book. Nice. So, yeah, me and Jake are, like, good mates now. Um, and then Aaron, I knew Aaron through my dad and his dad in the same rehab and stuff, but he left. Ah, okay. And Jake left, I think, just before Aaron. Yeah. As well, he wanted to do, he was joining the Marines and stuff, and he had his own thing going on. And then we met Liam... First time we met Liam, he got run over by a taxi. <laughs> Our, we were, That's so Liam. Yeah. We were playing a gig with Liam's old band. band yeah. Is it in Murphy? In like this pub? Yeah. Is, is it in Murphy? Somewhere, like somewhere in like some dark in the, valley. In the valleys. Right. And then Liam was like, oh, I'm going outside to meet me, mate. And we were on stage. He's gone outside and then you just heard this big commotion and then Liam's fucking mangled, limping his walking, arm backwards. Walking over, he, holding his arm. Did he break his arm? I don't no, know, he, he went just, to hospital. He couldn't do the gig. Yeah, they, had to, they couldn't play because he fucked himself up. He was walking over, though. met his mate in his mouth and then he was walking over. He got the stuff. He got it. Don't Put worry. my arms fucked. <laughs> so I can't do the gig, but I'll go out. <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, he I loves know. it. I was so when, first, I yeah, know. so <laughs> I think after I think after that gig, like the rest of the band were just a bit annoyed at Liam because they're like, you know, what I mean, well, you he's it. so stupid. Yeah, and so I don't know how many gigs they did after that, but I don't think it was many. And then when Jake said that he was leaving, it was like there was only one person we knew who we'd want in, and it had to be Liam. Right. Just for the his sheer, he's not like an unreal bass player or anything. It's just for his sheer vibe. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own feel though on the bass. I think it's like yeah, it feels like sandpaper on your cock. <laughs> <laughs> Jimi Hendrix no, made his own timing. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Liam makes his own timing. It's yeah, Hendrix. It's, <laughs> it's everyone else that's out of time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. Uh, Bad job, boys. It, it's interesting. Like some people, like. Some people put a lot of value on how the, the technical ability of musicians, and I think that you can be technically exceptional, but it still might not suit the the sound of a band. Like the first time we met Joe, the, the side of getting him, like we knew he was good on guitar, but when we decided we wanted him in the band, we just went out with him. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? That was his, his, his interview process. The first time we met him, I said, just come round the house. 
Jack put a big box of CDs on the table in front of him and was like, pick five, take them home. So we, we were kind of like, not like on him, but we would like just wanted to see what he'd pick anyway. Yeah. So I think he picked like a couple that he knew and Radiohead, then a couple that he wanted yeah. to listen, you know, interesting ones. Do you remember what he picked? He picked Radiohead and all that. Um, and Which maybe album? The second coming. It might have just been a best of because okay. it's what I had. Was it yeah. not OK Computer? It might have been. Yes, I remember it being black with red and white writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it might have been. A you know, he picked one. second coming as well. Yeah. Of course he's he obsessed did. with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd never heard it before. Oh, that's surprising because it's yeah. so guitar centric, as in mm-hmm. like with that Led Zeppelin influence, and he's kind of into that classic rock yeah. kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, once we see, we knew we could play anyway, and then we we just like, had a few drinks with him, and then we went out on a big night out just to, just to see what he'd be like with us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If if, it, if, it, if things were going to be awkward and stuff. I'd, it doesn't matter who you are on the guitar, yeah. it's just not going to work. What's the point? If we don't... We know uh, that from the last band, though. Yeah, well, exactly. We learned from our mistakes. So it was kind of like, if if we're all going to get on with each other and have the similar sense of humour and just rip shit out of each other and not get offended, you know, just proper, like, just lads. Oh, you get locked up for the shit that we do to each other. Oh, yeah, proper. Yeah. Especially Joe, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but but... That was the deciding factor, basically. Not how good he was. And he is actually unbelievable on the guitar. He's mm. ridiculous. He is. But more importantly to us was, do we get on with him? Of yeah. course. There's got to be that kind of... That symbiosis between all band members. There's got to be a, like a... You've all got to be pulling in the right direction. I mean, you know, your, your previous guitarist, you, there was a little bit of friction there, and then he decided to leave and do his own thing. Um, and it was for the greater good. Yeah, know, of course, be, be, yeah. Because there was that kind of friction that wasn't conducive to you, A, enjoying your time in the band. And that's what it all should be about at the end of the yeah, day, enjoying just it. enjoying it. Your mates, and then, really. So Aaron's left and, like, got on him, and he now gets to do what he wants to do, which is cool. Yeah. And we get to do what we want to do, whereas before, there was, we're trying to go that way, you're trying to go that way, and it's just... It's not got. It's not. It's just going to end up ripping apart in yeah. the end. Whereas um, you go that way, we'll go this way. Absolutely, I think it's it's, it's strange, isn't it? There seems to be like a real um, history of bands with members who don't get on going on to great success. But I think that was it. Led Zeppelin, not Led Zeppelin. No, they got on. I think there was another. The, sorry, carry on. No, no, no. Uh, I know what you're going to say. There's another where, band that the it was it was. Well, a heavier band, it might. I don't know if it was. Well, it might be like, I don't like know. Death no. Summer, or not Death Leopard. Megadeth. Like, Megadeth or Summer. That was one of them. Oh well, Metallica. Metallica. Metallica yeah. That's so it. Yeah. Metallica and the guitarist left or something. That's right. And he thought, I'll thought, show, I'll, I'll show you. And we were watching this thing the other day called Subtle Art <coughs> of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. Oh, I've watched that. And it's fantastic. And he says in that he was like. So this guy has left Metallica, or he's kicked out of Metallica, and he thought, fuck you, I'll start my own band. And his band were massive, you know, they yes. do arena tours all over the world. Dave Mustaine. He's but called. then Metallica were doing stadium tours all over the world. Now, if we were doing arena tours all over the world, that's a massive success for us. I would class myself as, like, what I've set out to do, it's, it's, I've it's, achieved it. But absolutely. because his goal was to be bigger than Metallica, in his head, got he's always a failure. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite sad. Well, yeah, I think that, that there always needs to be 
a motivating factor to because the, it's not all you know roses. It's stone roses. Yeah, stone roses. <laughs> it's, it, you know, every band has its peaks and troughs. And I think that, like, I mean, did you watch the Michael Jordan documentary? No, I, I am. Me, it's on my list. Well, he was. He used to um, make stuff up in his. He used to imagine that his rivals had done something bad to him when they hadn't. Yeah. So he I had like a, stuff like that. He had a fire in him. Yeah. So when he went on court, when he went on the basketball court, he was like, "I'm gonna it's kill or be killed." Yeah. Yeah. And it mo- even season after season after season, it, it it compelled him to train hard so he would win because he wanted to right the wrong that this person hadn't actually done yeah. to him, but it kind of gave him that kick up the arse. I think that's what kicked us on so much. Oh, yeah. We as had so as... much motivation to kind of, like, prove people wrong. You know, people, you know, you can't write songs and shit. First song that came out, yeah, people and all, it was kind of just a big... Fuck. Prove people wrong. But it was like, well... Well, no, we can't write songs because we've never actually been let to have the chance. Yeah, because Aaron was the primary yeah. songwriter previously and he was kind of a little bit totalitarian about yeah. that, which yeah. suppressed your songwriting. Bit of a Lou Reed vibe. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, um, having said that, he's a great songwriter, I think. Oh, he's got yeah. his quality. But, because yeah. he wrote She Waits For Me, which was a very popular song. Mm. But, you know, he... As it, fortunately, he left, and it, it kind of allowed you to blossom and find your feet as songwriters, and give you the steering wheel to the car, you know, to the well, to the band rather. And, yeah. and I, I th- also, I think I think it gave everyone that. Though it's not just you know, when the, when he left, everyone got a bit of the pie. Everyone was had control. The, ro- the roles now defined. What, when people, I say to people all the time, one thing about pastel and. Not, we don't take it for granted, but we're so blessed in the fact that everyone has the roles and everyone's happy with the role. So Liam, for example, he's not turning up all the time with bass lines being like this, this, this. He's he, lo- he Liam just loves pastel, right? He'd die for it. But he's he loves turning up to practice and being shown a bass line Absolutely. by one of us. And then he's happy to just sit there and learn it. And he <laughs> loves it. Whereas if, if this... When you've got too many cooks, spoils yeah. the broth, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Mm. I do my thing, Jack does his thing, Joel does his thing, Reese does his thing, Liam does his thing, and we all, it works so well together where we don't step on each other's toes and we all trust each other enough mm. to, if Jack wants to change an idea or I want to change an idea, it's I'm not wanting to change an idea just to put my stamp on it. Mm. Yeah. I'm suggesting something because I genuinely believe it could be better. Jack wants to change something because not to be like, no, I want to change what you've done. It's just he thinks, I like it, but if we just change this little bit here, whereas before you never had that, it was, this is how it is, and that's the end of it. How how do you feel now you are working with a producer, i.e. myself, like getting feedback in pre-production on songs you've written where sometimes it's very positive versus sometimes I uh, it isn't it will say it's just it more will, real in it it will I give you critique how do you feel <coughs> about that and how what what do you think the true value in is in I that I think if humility if people were making suge- if let's say for example I have this idea and I go Jack what do you think of this and he goes yeah but let's change this and we we try Jack's way if it was then worse 
would go and back we, to And we were still going with it. It would piss me off because I'm like, but it sounds shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like if you if we send you a song and we were like we want to record this one, and you went I like it, but maybe the intro's too long. Mm. If we then try if we th- so we'll try it. Say we shorten the intro down and we listen back. Oh, if it so if it makes a song better because there has been times where we're like you'll suggest something and we're like we, we, we've tried it, it, it just doesn't work. Mm. Yep. And there's that you get stuck, w- don't you? Yeah, we have the relationship where we can we go back and forth. And we work on it and we try all the ideas. Yeah. But we'll always go with, in the end, what is best. For the song. Yeah. So if, what I'm saying is if if I try something and it gets changed and it sounds worse, but everyone still wants to go with it, it'd probably do my head in, but we've never done that. Yeah. We've all, it's like, okay, you were right. That does sound better. It's a collaborative yeah. thing. And we just want the songs to be as best as possible because we're all working to the same goal. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I I think a lot of artists, especially young artists, um, they can feel, be a little bit kind of precious about their art. And I can understand that. But I think that if you... Fa- I'm more concerned about being successful, to be honest. Right, okay, that's interesting. In, no, th- I... I didn't mean it exactly how I said that. What I'm what I'm saying is, as long as I know the song is better, I would rather the song be better and it be more successful than the song... Then, then you just focus on yeah. what, what you want yeah. and your and initial I'm standing idea. by my Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Because the song then might not reach its full exactly. potential, do you know what I mean? Why, why am I going to be so stubborn? Just because yeah. I've said, do it this way, and I've said that, that's but why if you say dynamic. just change a little bit and it's better, yeah. what's the point in being stu- Where does stubbornness ever get you? It's interesting, like because when I've I've worked with a few different producers before I started producing music, and I never really fully trusted the people I was working with because that's the key word is trust. Yeah, I trust yeah. Jack. Jack trusts me. I trust Joe. I trust Reese. Reese trusts me. Well, I trust you. Yeah, don't trust Liam. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just leave him. <laughs> no, it's just leave him. <laughs> They're like Trusty McDonald's with your cow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the um it, it's difficult to find someone that understands where you're coming from as an artist and doesn't only have one eye on the commerciality of your music. Mm. So in my experience, whenever I've worked with producers that were quite successful, they want to make a product that is mm. going to sell. Mm. Where when I'm working with you, I want you to be commercially successful, but not at, at the expense mm. still integrity, of, of, of the integrity yeah. of the composition. Mm. Of, 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 of like the, the, the quality of the sound, yeah, thing. making it interesting but mm. still keeping it. I would never completely. release a song that I didn't like. Mm. Yeah, of course. Ever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like but when I remember when when we brought the first EP out and it was deeper than all. And like you'd have some local people doing local shit, not to name names, but they'd be, it'd be like, oh, you know, you are you are you sticking to your guns and all this? And it's like, well, in what regard? In terms of like, say with, with She Waits For Me, there was the old version that came out first. Okay. Right? Yeah, the demo and then, version. And yeah. then you remastered it and stuff. Remixed, remixed it, it. Reproduced sorry. it, yeah, yeah. Just produced and it. it, it yeah, yeah. In, my, in my opinion, you made the song un- sound a lot better. Yeah, and a complete. Right? And, it was and, the and a lot of everyone around said it was yeah. good. Like well, the numbers That's, that's the best thing about they? the band. It's the majority that get the vote now. Do you know what I mean? Everyone says it sounds Whereas good. Aaron preferred 
the older version, which is fine, that's his opinion, but sometimes I think you've got to go with the what the band is a thing and you've got to listen to everyone. Yeah. But I, I don't know, it's like, if it depends what your goal is at the end. If your goal is to just make your art and it's only for you, then That's fine. you stay in your bedroom and do it. Whereas if your goal is to make a career out of it, you've got to listen to everyone else in the band. But uh, but not to the point where you're going so far away from what you want that it sounds completely different. And yeah, you're and you're, unha- like and you're unhappy. Or summer. Yeah, and you're unha- unhappy with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. where, you know... As long as you still like it and it sounds the way you want it to sound within reason. I th- you know, I think that a lot of artists who sign to major labels don't understand that when you do that, you are effectively a product mm. that the, the record label needs to generate money from. And therefore, whether you love a song or not, whatever format that the producer they put you in with arrives at is getting released. And you need to either play ball or, um, you know, you will get dropped. I'll be difficult. One thing I will say, I once produced a band a few years ago now who they had three songs and each of them had potential, but they all sounded like different bands. Mm. And I really wanted to give a uniformity so it sounded like the same band while still not taking away what made them interesting. Mm. And I remember I took a lyric out of the middle eight and I put it right at the start. And the lyric was, I can't remember, but it was quite an aggressive sound. He screamed it and they were like a kind of like a post-hardcore band and he screamed at the start and then the song started. And it's, it was so exciting. I remember playing it to my other half and at the time and and she was like, oh, my God, this is electric. This is so yeah. exciting. So I sent them the tracks and their manager was, re- like, buzzing. Like, oh, my God, this yeah. is... And the band were like, just doesn't sound as good as the demos. And it was like night and day, yeah. like the difference. Yeah. And um, I remember having a conversation with them, trying to explain to them, you know, it's... If you want to get your songs on radio, if you want to have potentially get out on tour, you know there's there's so many th- options you can explore. But you have to make sure that the songs you release are uh, the best representation of that song that you can put out. And the guy, the guitarist, said to me, "Went well, a couple of my friends, they don't like that. They don't like your version." And I was like, "Okay, well, what? Who are your friends?" And they're like, well, one of my friends at work really doesn't like it. And I was like, well, where do you work? He was like, I work in a fishing tackle shop. And I was like, all right, so it's, so it's your manager, is it? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, okay, that's cool, because everybody's got their own opinion. Uh, would they ever buy a Slipknot album? Mm. And they were like, no, definitely not. Of course they won't buy a Slipknot. He's like 55 and he's into like dire straits or whatever. I was like, so why does his opinion matter? Yeah. That's not your. That's not your fan base, mate. But they were used to the demo version because that was the first one they'd heard, and the girlfriend was used to the demo version, and it completely um, interfered with the perception of the new versions. They couldn't get there, and as a result, those recordings just got binned off. They lost their manager. They never. Re- they, they, they tried to re-record the songs themselves. And nobody cared, and it all just went away. And it's like, it was such a shame because that one song. 
I played it to a couple of people at a major record label at Universal, their metal label, and they were really buzzing about it. And um, unfortunately, the the I don't know. I think they thought I was trying to push something onto them that they didn't want to be, but it wasn't the case. Yeah, and, yeah it's interesting. <clears throat> I think though we're quite lucky in the sense that we're not at the stage where there's obviously no major label involved and stuff. It's still very independent. Yeah. So we. Nothing gets drastically changed. It's just, I wouldn't say anything gets changed really. It's just little tweaks here and there. Yeah. You know, the length of things and stuff. But I mean, the f- the, f- the lead single off our last EP was like six and a half minutes or something. Well, Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, that, you're not set. If, you re- if your first song's six minutes long, like you, that, you still stick, we are still very sticking, we're sticking to our guns. Mm. Yeah. A major label wouldn't let you release your first single six and a half minutes long. They'd laugh at you out the door. Pro- yeah. Well, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, we, you know, we still have a very fuck you attitude. I, well, I, I don't know. I, I think that, like, so with, with, with Isaiah, when, when I first heard that song, I, I, I just knew that the intro had to be the calling card of the EP. The way it, it kind of just... Opens up. Yeah, like a, like a flower bloom, and it feels yeah. like it's this arms-out moment... And so when we took that guitar, when I took that guitar that Joe plays and put it at the start and, and, and just tweaked, as you said, tweaked a few bits and bobs and then wrote the strings on it, it just it gave it that, that lift that, that I feel makes people that might necessarily not necessarily listen to music like yours and give it the time, that um, it's like a, an entry point into the song. I mean, when, we, when you were on tour in February... Um, Bristol... You know, yeah, and you played it, and it was just like as soon as Joe plays that thing, arms are out, and it's like, it's that, it's that, it's that hit. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's you can f- see it. Just people relate to it, and it's really nice to see. Oh, a hundred club when you played it. That was it. That yeah. Was good, yeah. I also London. think until you've experienced that moment of you standing on a stage with your mates, and you start to play that song, and like you say, everyone goes mad, or everyone sings along. Until you've actually experienced it, don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I'm not going to have an opinion on, like, just, I don't know, things that I don't know enough about. And I think until you've experienced that moment and the way it makes you feel, and, like, you are, it's unreal. It's, you can't even explain it. You can't put it into words. Absolutely. A song that you've been practising in, like, a room, in a basement, or in the house or something is... It's so special yeah. and magical. Yeah, you kind of it was all worth it. Absolutely, yeah. it's 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 interesting how there are so many backseat drivers, whether it be in football, or music, or yeah. film. Everyone's got an opinion. Just shut up. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of what propagates interest and sparks debate in music. You know, what's their best album, or who's the best footballer, or what's the manager? Did was that signing right? It's kind of like. You know, I mean, it when you when it's you that is doing it, like the art or the football or the, uh, it, it's you've got to have thick skin, and you've also you've got to kind of just take shit, mm. take shit, and also understand that if people are giving critique, it's a lot of the time it's because Feel they can't. Benefit of well, it's sometimes. not maybe it is, but I think it's because they they struggle to communicate properly. Mm. You know, they they they, they don't. Um, they, they've never had to, especially on the internet. They've never had to calibrate. How they communicate. It's like the way children. Rick. Yeah, well, yeah. How to communicate. Well, it's like when when you when, with a kid, 
if you've got a baby there and or a, or a toddler and they go to put their hand on your nose or whatever and they rag your nose and you go, ah, the, the more that they interact with someone, the more that they, they will say, oh, well, if I just want, if I don't want to hurt you, I need to do it softer. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and over time, the more time, th- that communication uh, cal- calibrates how they interact with that touch. Uh, but if they want to hurt you, they'll rag you if they're angry. But if they're right. just playing and want to be playful, they'll be gentle. Whereas with the internet, I think that people don't have that experience where they say something mean and there's a blowback. They just say yeah. it and they're gone. Yeah. yeah. So as a result, as a consequence, we have this situation online where... Keyboard warriors. Yeah, people will say incredibly mean things yeah. and I then think just move on. And, s- and it's like... That's it, the lowest farm alive, that. <laughs> I've said this to Jack loads of times. There's a, the problem with kind of our generation and the next generation is the fact that if you go back 20, 30 years and you call someone a knobhead, you've, you've got to expect a smack. Yeah, so absolutely. You, whereas now you can call someone a knobhead and there'd be no consequence. Absolutely. Well, this is the calibration, isn't it? Yeah, and there's, there's so many people that, like I know, Jack knows and stuff, and they think they can just get away with saying stuff. Mm. And you're like, well, <laughs> you wouldn't say that to someone's face. Do you know what I mean? So what? I just it's cowardly. I think yeah. it is, but I also think that, that like if you, I I feel like if you were to go back with it, like because some people have said mean things about my band Aflex Palace and other things I'm involved with, and sometimes I've gone back and questioned them, and the recap the, the abrasion dissipates; it goes away slightly with their next reply. If you don't give them that immediate feedback or you just ignore them, they, 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 they don't learn. But then again, if as an artist, if you fight, but if you say, fuck off, you don't know what you're talking about, it makes you look like a dick, right? Yeah. I do also think when someone slags you off your art or something, I think, well, what are you doing? At least I'm having a go. Do you know Abs- what I mean? Absolutely. You're fat. You're sat in your room telling me I'm shit. Yeah, and probably just had a wank. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, <laughs> well, yeah, I just had a wank as well. But at least my music's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's a bit of a confusing. I mean, uh, one thing that we also have to consider though is that the conversations that people have online are have always been going on. It's just you've never heard them. So before the internet. Someone might have been saying, oh, well, pastel is shit, or they're, they're never going yeah. anywhere. But they wouldn't have said it to your face, and there was no internet, so you wouldn't yeah. have known about it. There's so much jealousy, I think, as well. That's th- that's the main reason why people say shit. Yeah. So, you know, and every, like, everyone's opinion, and I kind of think if, you, if you've if you got such a strong opinion I of it... I think there's a sense of entitlement, isn't it, with yeah. the internet, like people... Like, you know, like you're saying, people would say it to the mates or something before the internet. They'd say it to the mates, and that's sort of like a close, like, little net of people that share opinions. But I think people on the internet, they do just, they're out there to spread hate in that way, where they're just like, they just want to make your page look shit by commenting something that dodges you. I think the reason why they're trying to do that is because they're jealous of what you're doing. I know loads of people that have liked to, like, pass the off. That, that I know people that don't like us, but don't post about it. Do you know what I yeah, mean? They that's just get fine. on with the fucking But I think life. because they're jealous of what we're, we're achieving, they want to spread the thing. They, well, they, they want, want to spread. knock you off your perch a yeah, little bit. And and they want other people to agree. Do you think, don't you think the shit? 
And then, do you know what I mean? Because it makes them feel better when instead of actually just be saying fair play. With all the bands that I've worked with and bits and bobs that I've done, I can honestly say there aren't, like, past will get very little hate. Yeah. You're very well liked. Yeah. So, you know. Can you but, blame? But, but, but it's like it, uh, the negativity, you, you, not everyone will like what you're doing. I mean, here's a story. I, I remember once I was playing a gig and someone in the crowd would just kind of sat there pulling faces. And you notice them when you're on stage. You, you can see how people are reacting. Mm. And um, we've, we've stopped for a break, so it was a cover band gig. And that person came up to us. And bearing in mind, they were sat in front of the bass amp. And they came over to us and went, your bass is too loud. And I'm like, why do you think that is? You yeah. sat right next to the bass amp. You're like, like, literally like, like a metre and a half away from it. And, um, and it kind of give, give, give a bit of perspective on people's opinions. They don't know. They think everything should sound like X Factor a lot of the time. Mm. And I think that, that when, when you appreciate where their opinion comes from, it makes it a little bit less hurtful. Yeah. yeah. And like less grating because it's, you know, it's, it doesn't, they don't know what... I used to care so much yeah, about that honest, shit. I'm not asked about the people yeah. that comment about I have it, got it's more about people that just talk shit online, need a smack. Yeah. I remember when we first started out, I mate put uh, on some, I think it was like the Manchester Lemon Group or something on Facebook, put these clips on. It was, I think it was our third gig. And Jack's vocals, for some reason, were just so loud compared to everything that else. one of the heats, not the yeah. high. The high Something like that. Oh, it's fucking so it's dreadful. A, it, the sound was shit, right? But one, it was our first gig. Jack had never sung before until about six months ago. If that, three, and, wasn't it? And the, the, the sound was just shit, right? It, it was wasn't all our fault. It was all vocal. So no fucking reverb delay. Our, our mates put it on. No lube. What, on, on YouTube? On the, no, on a... Facebook group oh, and, right. just, and like loads of people were just like slating it and I knew they were going to slate it I didn't want him to put I it knew, up I knew it sounded shit it, it, I, yeah <coughs> we were like yeah, it, it sounds sound shit but he just wanted to do it and then everyone that commented like just fuck you know stop basically <laughs> I was I was bit on me so I fucking saved all the names and was like I'll fucking show you you cunt and then about two years later we met you and we signed the record deal for every single one, I messaged them, and it was always like a message request. Oh, so I'd send them a friend on. request, and then they'd be like, "Oh, thanks for the ad, but who are you?" And I'd send them a screenshot of what they said. I said, "Do you remember saying this? <laughs> well, this is me signing a fucking record contract. Here's our fucking song. Spin on that, you cunt." <laughs> that, and I, I did it to about five or six different people. I was just like, "Stick that up your ass." And there's a few of it. And to be fair, they were all like, <laughs> "Fair play." That's a long game. That in I'll it. eat me. I'll, I'll eat me words. And you know what I mean? Which fair play to him. I mean, I can't blame them for thinking it's we shit. We were shit. Because it was shit. It was shit. But it was just a It was a motivator though. Yeah. It motivated me big time. Oh, shit like that gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that Michael Jordan thing, innit? Yeah. I remember just another anecdote. I remember a friend of mine had a record deal with Ireland and um as an unsigned artist me personally, when I was unsigned, I always <coughs> used to despise people whose first question when you told them that you were a musician, would they would say, are you signed? 
because they are, that question is ultimately saying, "Are you any good?" Yeah. Is it is it, yeah. is it, is it just yeah. a hobby? Yeah. When I I had an absolute passion to do music full time. Mm. Anyway, a friend of mine signed a record deal with Island Records at the time, and they're part of Universal Music, and at the time Island were the biggest record label in the UK. Huge. Yeah. Uh, for anybody listening, Island Records had Bob Marley signed to them, U2, Amy Winehouse, uh, Nick Drake. Their, their, their legacy, their, their catalogue is outrageous. Um and anyway, so my friend signed a record deal and he'd been peppered with people saying, oh, have you got a record deal? And when he said no, you know, they scoff at him, scoff at him. And um, so anyway, fast forward to after he'd signed a record deal with Ireland, he was doing music full time. And he was out on a night out with friends in a nightclub and a guy said to, they got talking and... Someone said, oh, my mate's a singer. And another guy at the table who had not met said, got a record deal, have you? And my mate went, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I have. And he went, all right, who are you signed to? And he was like, yeah, you took the bait. Uh. He's like, I'm signed to Island Records. And the guy, without missing a beat, went, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Uh, yeah, and it just kind of highlights, no matter how successful you become, it, people will always try to be negative about yeah, it's it. Just bitterness, uh, isn't it. Yeah, and it's like, it doesn't mm. matter what other people think, you just got to kind of focus on what you're doing. The amount of stuff, like the Steve amount of music, you know the amount of music that I see online that I think shit, loads, but I don't, Go out my way to say I think it's shit. Like I don't the see do the, the need of it. One, well, that's right. One interesting thing, actually, going back to Liam Gallagher, is maybe 10, 15 years ago, if someone played him music that he thought was shit, he would immediately come out and be like, fucking shit, that. And in the last five years, since he's done his solo stuff, maybe post-BDI, when it didn't take off for him, um, when, people, when he's been on a review show or he's been played new music, instead of him kind of torpedoing it, he will say, oh, it's not for me, that one. Yeah. Because he, I think that pre-BDI, everything Oasis did was met with a glorious fanfare. And then when BDI didn't quite hit the mark, even though there were some great songs in there, yeah. I don't know, I think it gave him perspective on, like, how hurtful some comments can be when you're not absolutely at the top yeah. of the mountain. And therefore, yeah. when like I noticed when I was watching some of his interviews, because I think he's a he, he's one of the best interviews oh, yeah. in music. I love listening to him talk. Um, you know, he he tapered his response. If he liked something, he was he was like, yeah, that's great or whatever. But he, I don't think I ever saw him turn around and say that's shite because mm. he doesn't need to, you mm. know. And I think having that outlook is, you know, you you've got to be aware of, you know. I mean, if Liam Gallagher turns Especially out with this music, shit, it might be that would just I'd fucking be wounded. Add end I would your, be that, yeah. end your career if you're a small band, really, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Especially if you slow someone, down. But then it? again, saying that, Oasis idolised the Beatles, and there was a few comments where the Paul McCartney and George Harrison and stuff slagged the Oasis off a little bit. But they were already that flying. Yeah, Oasis but it was almost, I quite respect <clears> the fact that Liam Gallagher idolises the Beatles so much. I mean, he's, he's like, don't, do you know what I mean? He didn't give a fuck. I got a lot of respect for that. It's almost like he has a, his armour plated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I it mean? Especially, what especially back think. then. 
He was yeah. just like, mm. you can say whatever the fuck you want about my band Oasis, yeah, and we're going to... I don't give a fuck, because mm. we are going to... He was almost like the Conor McGregor of the 90s. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. We didn't come here to take part, we came here to take over. That's what Conor mm. McGregor said. Mm. And he was almost like the precursor to that. He was mm. the mouth of the 90s, and then Conor McGregor, anyway. Well, you've got to talk about what, what we're promoting. Yeah, September, October. Yeah. I think there's tickets left for Glasgow, Liverpool, Liverpool and Leeds. Yeah, the rest are sold out. The rest of them have all sold out. They're going to be great. The album comes out whenever Jay pulls his finger out. <laughs> well, Liam's got to Well, we've got to pull yeah. our finger out first. To be well, that'll be fucking good. That's Part what we're going to go and finish in. off now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be, t- 2024 is going to be a great year. So, yeah, James and Jack from Pastel. Thanks for your time. Oh, yeah. And uh, good luck for next year, because it'll do me good if you do good. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. God bless. Peace. So, that was episode one of These Little Victories with myself, Jay Fender, and James and Jack Yates from Pastel. Now, after all that waffle, if you're still keen to see Pastel on tour, you can pick up tickets via spiritofspikeisland.com. On there, there's also merch you can pick up to support what we're doing. Um, And if you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you are listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or whatever. So until the next time, bon voyage.